0: and glory. And we are so grateful that we can gather here together, that your spirit is among us and uh, be a part of our worship, whether it's through song, through fellowship, or through the teaching of your word. So we're so grateful for all that you do for us and for your many blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. we will welcome everyone here this morning. You know, i Thought I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to tell a dad joke um, before we get started. So as I was driving in, I saw on the, there's a scrolling uh, billboard that says uh, the Powerball jackpot is $1.04 billion. And it reminded me of a story how um, someone once told me, you know, I no longer see my wife and children and it's all because of gambling. I won the lottery and moved to Hawaii. So... This is my dad joke for this morning. Well, I welcome you. Take a minute to greet those around you, please. welcome again and thank you so much for joining us this morning. If you're visiting, we welcome you, especially um, if this is your first time here or if if you're fairly new here, we welcome you. Uh, If you are new here uh, and you would like us to uh, get in touch with you about anything, we do have yellow sheets on the welcome desk uh, in the back of the church there. Um, You can fill out your name and any information. Also, if you have a new phone number or address change or email change or something like that, you can let us know. That way as well. You can put those in the offering box, which is right between the back doors there. And we also encourage you to put your offering in there as a part of our act of worship. Uh, so, a few announcements today. Some of them are a little more lengthy, but just uh, bear with me. So, if you miss anything, the bulletins, just so you know, they are online. If you lose your bulletin, you can always check online on the church website and you can find it there. Uh, today, at uh, between 3 and 5 p.m., is the Pregnancy Help Center Banquet. Uh, or excuse me, not banquet, Slice of Life, um, which uh, will be at the church barn in Barron. Uh, This is an opportunity to, uh, they auction off 33 pies, and this year, uh, as every year, the 33 pies represent the 33 lives that were saved, uh, the little babies that were saved through the work of the Pregnancy Help Center. And so we're grateful for that, and you can join them between three and five at the church barn in Barron. Uh, Our students and uh, our youth and our adults are... uh, at Camp Shamanoff or Fall Fling. Uh, pray for them, as I'm sure it's a long and tiring weekend for the youth and for the adults. So just pray that they get connected to Christ through this event. The youth will also have an opportunity to go to the uh, Apologetics Conference uh, in Eden, Prairie, Minnesota at Grace Church. Uh, this is a great opportunity for youth to grow in their knowledge of their to be, being able to defend their faith. So it's a, a lot of great teaching at this event. Adults are also welcome to join. You can register at the Soul Garage website. This, the theme of this year's event is called Man or Maker, Who Says Who You Are? And the lineup of speakers will be people like Sean McDowell, Christopher Ewan, and Tim Barnett, among many others. So pricing goes up at the end of October. So make sure you get your youth, or, or you can get signed up for that as well at the Soul Garage website. Uh, in two weeks, we're going to have a special kind of focus on missions. Uh, we're going to call it Maranatha Missions Week. So at Awana Youth Group, at the Men's Breakfast, there's going to be a focus on missions as well as October 15th and October 22nd. On October 15th, we'll have Dr. Pat here. Uh, she works with the persecuted church throughout the world, and her stories are always so inspiring. Um, Sad at times, but also just very inspiring to see how people are remaining faithful amidst persecution. And then on the 22nd, the Bliss family will join us to share uh, that day. Uh, And today for our celebration, we are celebrating the See You at the Pole event, which I think was about a week and a half ago. Many youth from throughout the area in Barron and Cameron and Rice Lake um, met at 7 o'clock in the morning to pray around the flagpole at their school to pray for the students, to pray for the teachers and the schools themselves. So uh, we're grateful that many of our youth showed up to that event, along with uh, many of the adults uh, from Maranatha as well. So with that, I'll bring up uh, Cody to share the word with us this morning.
1: Yeah, what a great event that we have. Uh, We're gonna take a moment here and pray about that. It's great that we have our students actively involved in praying for the schools. And as you know, like for instance, Rice Lake last year, was a very uh, just emotional draining year for the middle school and the high school. They experienced five deaths. And so to have students being student led here, even in this praying for all the different schools, we were able to connect with all the different churches to encourage them to bring their students there. So it wasn't just Maranatha, it was multiple churches at every school. So what a wonderful thing. And also we wanna just celebrate 33 lives saved, amen? That is a huge wow, that's that something so praise. <clears throat> emo- when I get emotional, my throat gets all clogged up here, so I'm getting emotional about that. Just Yeah, that's man, I, I yeah, so let's take a moment and pray. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for prayer. We thank you that we can have access with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we bring our request to you, and we know that you even, we, you know them before we bring them to you, but yet still we're called to pray, and we thank you for the students who met this past Wednesday, for the see you at the poll, we ask that you would uh, just bless the schools, the, the homeschoolers, and also those who are at the public schools, and at the Christian schools, we pray that you would just bless this year of school for them, and we ask that you just even, just touch those who are Teachers at the public schools may use them in mighty ways where they are at. And Lord, we pause. We, we thank you for the 33 lives that were saved. That is so beautiful. Life is so precious. And we pray for tonight's or this afternoon's event that's happening for the Pregnancy Help Center as they raise funds. This is one of their major fundraising events and guide them as they have difficult decisions to make every week and every month, not just with the clientele that they meet, but just the direction and what to do. And so just we pray that you, you bless them, bless the board, and we thank you for our involvement with that. Just 33 lives. I'm going to be thinking about that for days. And so just uh, we pray that if there are people struggling, <clears throat> that they would turn, turn to help so we could help them. And ultimately, in the end, we pray that they would see the beauty of Jesus. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen? Amen. Yeah, now that I'm emotional, oh, okay. All right, Grab your Bibles were in the book of Philippians. We are looking through our series. We took some time, I don't know how long it was, maybe over a year, looking through the Gospel of Mark, looking at what it means to be a disciple, life as a disciple. Now we're in Philippians looking at what it means to live for Christ. And then, after this soon, we will go into the book of Acts, looking at being a witness for Christ. Philippians chapter 4. Years ago, when our kids were little, we would go to the grandparents' house. And we would travel, going to this one, that set, or whatever, going all over. And often, I would either be reading a book or something, or they had cable TV, so I was like, oh what's on TV. And once in a while I would turn to, it's called Dirty Jobs. Anyone ever hear of Dirty Jobs? Raise your hand with Mike Rowe. I mean, I was just glued to this guy. So here's a couple of pictures of Mike Rowe and Dirty Jobs. And well, look at that, a farmer. So his job was to go and find some of the dirtiest jobs there were, work with them, have the safety gear on or wh- whatever it was, touch what they touch, smell what they smell, and experience that. And And often I was just, I would laugh and and I'd be grossed out and just be like, that is not my kind of job. And just, in fact, there was one on Snakes. I didn't watch that one. No way, not doing that. But I remember watching these going, man, what what is the nastiest, worst job to have? And I was kind of watching these things and I wonder, I should even maybe, you know, Google like, hey, what's the worst, what's the most watched episode? Like, that was the dirtiest, grimiest, make you puke kind of job. And I, would, I was thinking through that, like, what's the worst job to have? What's the, what's the one that's got the most hardship? And all you farmers are going, well, that's easy. I know what that is, right? But then I was, I, was, I was thinking through that. One thing I noticed watching these shows was, you know, he would be in the grime. He'd be all slimy and just, it was dirty. But it was the workers he was working with. And once in a while, I would notice someone who was like, sure, whatever. Not because they're olfactory nerve didn't work that's the nerve that helps you smell not because like oh this is what I need but they enjoyed it and that made that show even greater to watch because here's Mike dealing with all this slime and this grossness but this person who he was working with they had not the hardest job but they had the right heart and mentality in that and I thought what matters most in a hard job, in the dirty job, or the worst troublesome job, is having the right heart, the right attitude, the right mindset in that. Well, how do you get the right mindset? How do you get the right heart when you're in dire straits? When you're surrounded by trouble, when pain and suffering is there, when death is around you, when you've got a sickness bill that says you've got X amount of days to live, your bank account is negative, How do you deal with troubles? How do you have the right mindset? So today we're gonna look at this great passage that I've titled this part, Our Troubles Versus God the Supplier. Because no matter what our troubles are, we have a God who will supply and care for your needs. In fact, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna work this week, so go to Philippians chapter four. I've skipped, remember I skipped verse 10 because verse 10 sets this whole section 10 through 20 So I skipped that part last week as we covered 11 through 13. So we're going to go 10 and part of 11 because that's key. And today we're just going to cover this the first couple verses and then the foundation of it all is going to be 19 and 20. Very key to this, or or 19, yeah, so that's the key to it all in this, yeah, 19 and 20 is the foundation. So we're going to, Paul deals with this, he talks about his troubles, but he also says thank you for the gifts that you gave. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a two-part series. This week we're going to do the troubles part with the foundation of verses 19 and 20. Having the right mindset. How to get through troubles and suffering. Because a lot of the book of Philippians is that. having. The, he says joy and all this stuff, but he has it because he has this foundation. We've been pulling phrases out as we've been going through Philippians. We're going to have that long sentence, and I've added another one based off of what we got here. So this week is troubles versus God the supplier. And then next week is gonna be he's gonna talk about the gifts that we're given. We're gonna talk about giving in that aspect. In fact, I'm gonna change the title of my sermon. What I've got right now for next week is What Smells Good to God. I know that that sounds weird, so I'm gonna I'm gonna change that. I mean for me it's a fresh sharpened pencil or gun oil. Or anyways, okay, yeah. So this week we're dealing with troubles. Next week, we'll talk more about the giving aspect. So, we're going to go through this twice. But then again, the foundation of this, verses 19 and 20, that's kind of the key. So, let's pray before we get into Scripture. Lord, we come before you. And, Lord, in many ways, this is not an easy topic to talk about because we all suffer. We all experience troubles and trials. And it's not hard to talk about. We all understand hardship in a variety of ways. But in those, we desperately need to know you. You are a good God. You are sovereign. You are with us. You are at work. These are things we've been learning in the book of Philippians. So right now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you come and bring your hand of comfort. Because what we even maybe talk about and think about might, might be hard, but you are a great God. You're the God of all comfort. So Holy Spirit, do your work in our hearts. Reveal yourself to us, we ask, through this passage, through this time. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen? Amen. All right, so Philippians chapter 4, again, I'm going to do verses 10, 11, then uh, we're going to just skip around, we're going to skip the the giving part, because that's going to be for next week. So we're going to do 14, and then we'll jump to 19 there. So here we go. All right. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at least you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show that. Verse 10. So again, remember, he's been... A lot of the letter is saying, thank you for what you've done. Verse 11, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation he has learned. And part of me, when I remember reading this, I thought, I wish it would just be matrix style. You just plug in, okay, I'm content. Give me the gift of contentment. Here I am, I'm content. Oh, he doesn't say I've learned, why do I have to learn to be content? That means I might have to suffer and work through stuff and, exp- oh, I've got to learn to be content. For I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation, where's his trust? Where's his focus? Verse 14 Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, you, as you Philippians know, In the early days of our acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one of the churches shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. Let's jump to verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. And my God will meet... All of your needs. He will supply all of your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. And then verse 20. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. So let's begin talking about Paul recognizing and thinking and showing his thankfulness for their concern and his needs. So one of the many trips Paul has been on, Paul, again, you know, we've talked about this, he's been on these missionary trips. The Holy Spirit led him first, we found in Acts 16, to go to Philippi, where he met some ladies at the water. They were there, and they were worshiping the Lord, and this is where the church started. From there, he went to Thessalonica. And there, he then began starting churches. But then, when things were happening there, persecution was heavy. And troubles were happening. So he decided, you know what, it's time for me to move on to a more noble, he says. In Acts uh, 17, he says, to a more noble town, because this town is treating me like dirt. Really, what they're doing is they're treating the name of Jesus like dirt. So he's going to move to a more noble town. So he decides to do that and move on. But some of the people from Thessalonica decide, we're going to follow this guy and cause more troubles for him, more persecution. Then he goes again, he keeps moving, gets to Athens, where he gives a famous speech. And he says, When I set out from Macedonia there, when we read this, he relates to when he left there and went to the lower region of Greece, where he then began to share and proclaim the gospel. So he's on the move, partially because of persecution, but mainly because he knows this is where the Lord is sending him. There he may not have founded the church in Athens. There they, you know, as we study, there was a home church there in Acts 17, verse 34. Then he finds himself in Corinth, and he finds problems there. He gets to Corinth, and he's like, man, I've got problems. He, you know, he, in fact, we're going to read a passage out of Corinthians where he, he gives his resume. You know, I've got problems. Man, this church, got, they've they got a lot of problems. So he begins to correspond with them. In fact, the letters to the church at Corinth are very strong in some of the wordage and verbiage, and just like, you guys are, are messing around. Cut it out. Don't you know who you belong to? But then, notice, look at verse 10 that we have here. I rejoice greatly in the Lord. He has this joy, and again, here's a, a common theme in the book of Philippians. He has this great joy for his kinship, his friendship, this koinia, this this beloved Christian fellowship he has with his believers. He rejoices again, greatly. He rejoiced in the past for when they cared for him. Now he's rejoicing again for their care and concern for him. So he's rejoicing. And again, the gratitude that they sent by way of Epaphroditus, the gift that they gave him. Gave him. we'll talk more about that next week as we look at this passage. He describes his past rejoicing, and now he's so grateful... For what they are doing in their life, Paul is extremely grateful for their love for him. In the previous section, the core aspect was: no matter what the situation, no matter what the situation of life, he must find contentment. So he's not saying this. Guess what? I know you sent me a gift, but I'm just content in the Lord, and that's good enough for me. That's totally true. The foundation is we must be content in Christ and. Comp- in Christ. That was last week's sermon. But he doesn't want to just be like, yeah, I've got my contentment and completeness in Christ. That's good enough. He wants to let them know that he's very grateful. He's thrilled by their renewed concern. He's overwhelmed by the depth of their concern in his life that has brought this situation. He can use that for the benefit of the gospel he mentions. I'm excited as we come up in two weeks, we're going to have missionary week. We'll have two missionaries visiting us and we'll talk more about the missionaries that we support. And how we can renew our concern in them and care for them. Again, this is all anchored in their love and their care, and his gratitude is grounded in the feelings he has for them. I thought about going through Philippians and just there are so many words of affection. There's sections where we've stopped and we looked at these words of affection that, that Paul uses more than than some of the other letters that I read out of him. He just this just bountiful words of affection that he has. So he's emphasizing this closeness that he has this loving church. They have truly become partners in the gospel. And his gratitude is there, it's deeply seated. it has got this mutual concern, this intimacy that flows out of the section again. Like I said, I'd love to study this more in the words, this spirit fellowship that we have, you and I have, because of the Holy Spirit. God uses us as his tools To channel his loving care into the lives of others. And that's what he's talking about. He's going, guess what? God has used you in my life and for the sake, the partnership of the gospel. And we'll talk again more about that stuff next week. Now verse 14. To share in my troubles. The troubles Paul faced. In fact, when I was doing this this week, I was going, all right, let's figure out every trouble Paul faced. And I was all studying, I was going through different passages, I came upon this section here. So 2 Corinthians 11, starting with verse 23, it's going to be up on the screen here. This is like a resume, I'm like, whoa, Paul, he just kind of lays it all out, I'm like, here's a resume of suffering and troubles, including imprisonments, countless beatings, near-death experiences. You know, you think you have it bad, wait till you hear this. I have worked much harder, like even thinking of the dirty jobs, you know, which job is the worst? Which one's the dirtiest? Which guy works the hardest? Every farmer would go, I, I'm a farmer. I work the hardest. Listen to this. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again, five times received from the Jews, the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once pelted with stones, three times shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in an open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles. He's got like no friends everywhere he goes, everyone hates him. In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger in the sea, in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. This guy has it bad. He understands troubles more, I guarantee you, than you and I. But look at the next thing he says. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of concern for all the churches. Not only is he experiencing persecution, suffering, all that stuff, he even says, even the heart that I have for my churches is so heavy and weighty on me. In fact, I was going through the book of Acts reading, I was like, we could list more. He was kidnapped, accused in lawsuits, interrogated, ridiculed, ignored, and worst of all, in my opinion, bitten by a viper. No thank you, I'm done. Call me to something else, Lord. Ugh. These troubles affected him greatly, both in the physical, in the emotional, and spiritual realm. This guy understands suffering. So let me now turn to you. I thought about doing this, and I, I, I was ready to do it, but I thought, no, this isn't going to work in church. Because you're with people that you don't know maybe i was going to put a piece of paper or a notebook in every section here for you and i thought it'd be great to start writing out all of your troubles but if you're next to your spouse and you wrote your spouse's name then you'd be in double trouble so this wouldn't work you know, I figured, okay let's just not do that but i want you to think right now let's just take some time and think what are some of the troubles you face this isn't for you to say it out loud or anything just just keep it to yourself If you had to do a resume of troubles like Paul just did, that's just, that's a lot of stuff. What would you list? Think of the physical things. And I know some of you, I know some of your stories. I've visited some of you in hospitals. I've visited some of your loved ones in hospitals that are no longer here. Some of you experience sickness, pain, trials, suffering. Just take a moment. And just think of those. What would you list on a piece of paper that would be your physical troubles? Maybe it's even financial heartache. Maybe it's the results of sin in the past that still hounds you, and you feel shackled to that shame. We to the next one. Emotional. Think of some of the emotional stuff that you have struggled. Like when I read this resume of Paul, I'm going, yeah, that's a lot of hard stuff. Bandits, danger, wow, out at sea, was he fishing? You know, I'm, all this stuff. And then I read the last line. Besides everything else, I face daily pressure of my concern for all the church. I'm like, oh. Often I realize this when I deal deal with people who are suffering greatly. They're dealing with the situation at hand. Let's say it's a physical ailment a sickness or a traumatic um, tragic accident that happened they're dealing with the situation right now they put that in the physical realm but then they rarely deal with it emotionally my example is this i was called this week to go help with a situation that was very very sad and traumatic and i met with some family members and we were trying to work together they're like we need to meet with another family member and they kind of cautioned me about that so i'm like okay all right, and we, we met with someone, and the person was kind of in the corner. I'm fine. It's okay. I'm not emotional. And they're all like, "Oh, uh, uh. Well, other people were crying," and I wanted to go time out. I didn't do this, but I wanted to go time out. We're all emotional. Maybe you're not expressive. The you know, in emotions, but we all are emotional. We all are very, very emotional. And maybe this person wasn't expressive in emotions. I think that's kind of what was kind of being portrayed. Like, you know, I'm stoic, You know, I, I'm, I'm fine. And, and a lot of us do that. We don't like to touch the emotional part, but we are very, very emotional beings because we're creating the, Im- of the image of God and He's a very, very emotional being. So don't neglect your emotional feelings and well-being. We are emotional beings, very important. In fact, I love how churches, and we as a church, we have a statement of faith. We have written down what we believe as a church, this is what we believe about God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, you know what we believe about the Word of God, salvation, sin. Years ago, when creeds were, were written more often, famous creeds were written, famous statements were written. In fact, I've got in my office two, or it's three volumes. The Creeds of Christendom. Haven't read through the whole thing. It's pretty lengthy and some of it's very old, archaic words. And It's a beautiful set of books. There was once written one of the famous creeds and sections that were written. They said, at first they said God is without passions. A couple years later, they got rid of that. Because they are like, God is a God of passion, Right? In fact, I believe one of the most theological, heavy-weighted verses in Scripture is, I'll have you quote it to me, the shortest verse in the Bible. What does that say? Jesus, what happened? Oh, there is so much weight in the shortest verse that we have. So let's go to emotion. Where have you been just emotionally Drain, done, fatigue. Where do you suffer emotionally? And again, in our church, I know there's many stories. We've had people that have suffered through marriages that did not make it as they thought it would. Families that have children that have gone astray and have never come back. Emotional. Think about the trouble. So just take some time and think about, yeah, I've experienced... Troubles emotionally. And lastly, spiritual. We face troubles spiritually. Again, read Ephesians chapter 6. Read 1 Corinthians 10. We deal with an enemy of our souls. Little side note, he's a grape compared to the might and greatness of God. Amen but still there's an enemy of our souls, troubles. But here's what I find interesting about Paul. Paul is willing to share his troubles, either written in teaching, when he was visiting, in writing. He's willing to share. Hey, here's where I struggle. One of the hardest things for us is to share our troubles, right? I'm fine, I'm okay. For instance, the situation I was in this week, that person was like, okay, whatever. I'm fine. Even did this to me. But as time went on, tears started to flow. It's hard to share the troubles that we have with our friends, those in need. And we'll talk more about that next week. But even in the midst of this, remember that Paul has found the secret to be content. No matter what the situation, he's found the secret in how to be content. And it's in the Lord. Or, as 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares, cast all your anxiety on him. For he what? He cares for us. We have a God who cares for us. That whatever our financial, whatever our social situation, whatever your relationship situation is, we must depend on Christ. As we learned a few weeks ago, anxiety disappears and God's peace takes over. Having the correct mindset, having the correct attitude is very, very important. So let me do this. Let me quote to you, as I saw on Dirty Jobs, I was like, am I having the mindsets right? Have have you heard of Chuck Swindoll? He's a famous preacher of today. I really enjoy a lot of what Chuck Swindoll does. He's not trying to be the popular preacher. He just preaches through the Word. This was written years ago. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than past education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than success, than what other people think, say, or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day in regarding the attitude we embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way towards us. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. You might have the dirtiest job. And my girl wants to come and film you and be like, oh, that's bad. That's 10% of it. 90% is how you think and live through that. So with our troubles... What is the correct mindset to have? What should we know for sure? And we get to verse 19. Take a look at verse 19. God is the supplier. Paul wants them to realize the present as well as a future blessing. I know that my God will future. Not just now, but even in the future. God is going to take care of you no matter what. My God will meet. He will supply. He will take care of all of your needs. You've cared for me. In fact, it was interesting. This church is, they've considered this. They, they look at all, you know, all that is written about the churches in the area. This is probably one of the poorest churches of all. It's interesting that one of the poorest churches is one of the main supporters of Paul. Even in their poverty, he wants them to know that my God will meet all of your needs. And I love how it's not just. God will supply all your needs. It's my God. And we're going to take the first week of the first Sunday of November, I'm going to have a whole sermon based upon that aspect there. They gave graciously. No, God will take care of them. This isn't a name it, claim it thing like, you know what? If you give ten dollars in the offering back there, God's going to give you a hundred, so please give ten. But if you give a hundred. I'll even give you a handshake from Pastor Cody and you might get more money. Well, that's corniness. No. They gave out of love, they gave out of sacrifice. And he wants this promise to be known to them God will take care of them, God will supply, he will meet their needs. It's all your needs. It's not like, ah, it's going to be tough. And maybe He'll help you all once in a while. He will help you, not in the way always we want, which we'll see here in a moment, in the big long sentence we've been compiling here. He will meet all of their needs. This is kind of like, not like every single need, but broad perspectively. He's going to take care of you, your family, socially, emotionally, spiritually, physically. He will care for you in those areas. There was nothing God will ever lack in because it's according to the riches and Paul will not lack as long as God is with him Paul saw that the purpose of his suffering means that this is the time to fixate to focus to meditate on the mighty resurrection power of Jesus Christ that we saw in chapter 3 so here's our sentence that we've been growing as we've been going through every chapter of the book of Philippians. Whatever we face, no matter the circumstance, no matter if it's a great day of plenty, because Paul said, I know what it's to be in plenty. And he said in his resume, I know what it's like to be no food and naked, not a good day for him. Whatever we face, we must know this. Never forget this. God is sovereign, amen? He's always in control. There's never, God isn't like, oh, okay, I've got plan A. Well, that didn't work out. Now my plan B. Okay, Adam and Eve did that. So now my plan C. God always had a plan A. Amen. God is in total control. God is sovereign. Chapter one God is at work. Still within me. I'm not complete yet. I want to live for Christ. I keep learning to be more and more like Him. Same with you. God is with you. That's probably the greatest phrase. When you walk through the waters, I will be with you. God will give you strength. And here's one for today. And supply your needs according to the riches. And God is coming again. I'm going to pause there because this is one that we don't share enough to our heart, to our situation Someday I'm going home. Amen. We must have this eternal perspective. In fact, let me read this. I, I'm just reading through all his hardships, all the suffering. Second Corinthians chapter 4. I do a lot of funerals. I've never really done this section through a funeral. I, I need to someday because there's, there's so much here. Let me just read, starting with verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay in things that will break and fall apart kind of like a tent that that you can set up and and the wind's going to tear it down and you know it's just we're just but there's a treasure we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from god not from us we are hard-pressed on every side Mm-hmm. but not crushed. Amen? Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, not destroyed. We always carry around our body, in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Jumping down to verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Therefore, if I'm in the dirtiest job of of all things, even though I'm in the hardest suffering, even though I've got a resume that can outdo anyone else, I don't lose heart. Why? Though outwardly we are wasting away. Amen? The older I get, I go, man, it is not fun getting old. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles. Wait, we just heard what Paul has gone through. How is that light and momentary? He was beaten, stoned, I mean, all this stuff. What is. But he considers that. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. My suffering is this. Nothing compares to the beauty of being with Christ. Amen? So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Or, as Romans chapter 8, we always go to Romans chapter 8, verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not with comparing. With the glory that will be revealed in us. So pause. No matter what troubles, what suffering, whether physical, emotional, spiritual, some of the sins of your past, some of the addictions you've had, some of the relationship failures, that's that's all hard stuff. I'm not trying to downplay that. But to make it through it, you must know that God is a God who will supply and care for you and have that eternal perspective. Every once in a while I pull this out, for some of you that haven't gotten this. When I first got here, the first month I was here, I was told about Marv Oftedal, who I knew before, who had cancer really bad. And I remember meeting with him, and just, it's hard. Why me? Why this? Why, why?" you know, just those are hard things. And I remember coming back to the office going, I need to write him a letter. So it's called Four Biblical Truths for Marv. And what I, I wrote him a it's four or five page thing for him. I've boiled it down to two for you. If you haven't got this, please grab it. I'll just read you the, the main titles here. The Eternal Perspective. The cross secures our hope for glory. Amen? People die all the time, but when a Christian dies, we have this hope because of the beauty of the cross. Amen? In fact, I just got goosebumps. You can't see them through my shirt, but I got them. Death does not have to be overwhelming for the Christian because our foundation is not in my circumstance. It's on His promises. Number two, God knows pain. The cross experiences suffering. It's interesting when you study world religions, all the other pseudo-gods that are out there in fictitious kind of conglomerations of ula and whatever you want to come up with, there are all these ideas of beings that are just so transcendent. Christianity has a God who suffered. The cross experiences suffering. Third, sin results in suffering the cross is the, re- the remedy of sin. Amen? And lastly, God is sovereign. God, God is sovereign. The cross fulfills God's plan. So I've got a handful of these at the welcome table. Grab them. We must have the eternal perspective. Paul is willing to endure hardship as long as it means that he knows who God is. He knows that God is sovereign. He knows that God is at work. He knows that God is with him. He knows that God will supply all his needs. He knows that someday he's going home. He knows that for me to live is Christ. Oh, but to die, to die is gain. And he knows that grace will come more and more. And thus he has so much gratitude and he then ends with glory to God. Let's go to the last verse. He is very grateful, and I, 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 this is a phrase I probably, I, don't, I haven't said it, said it recently, but I used to say it all the time. After a sermon, I would say, how could you not worship God? And that's how I am, when I dig in scripture, and I see the beauty of God, I go, how could I not worship him? Or sometimes it's a mirror to my heart going, I'm an idiot, I'm a failure, I need a savior, oh my, help me Lord, how could I not worship him? He's been very grateful for the gifts that were given. And he knows that God has used the people in Philippi to bless him, to be a part of the Gospel message. But he saw this ultimately as the hand of Christ, working his immense gratitude to the, to the people in Philippi, but ultimately, all praise and glory goes to God. After thinking about the riches of God that are guaranteed, it's that promise that we have, thinking about the beauty that we have in Christ, he then breaks out in praise. How could you not praise him? In fact, these kind of praises happen often at the end of the epistles. They say something, bunch. after the end of writing, praise be to God. Or, such as in Romans chapter 11, Romans chapter 1 through 11, this theological truth of what Christ has done that we cannot do, he's the only way, a bunch of praise at the end of chapter 11. He thanks the Heavenly Father. The glory and honor that is due His name. Here, it's not simply that we praise God as though God is lacking; God needs us to praise Him. So, you know, He's like, "Hey, my my, I need a little bit more. You know, I'm having a rough day. So, if someone praise me for what I do. Thanks for thanks for that." No, it's not at all like that. Here, we don't give Him glory as if He needs it from us. This is the word that describes His greatness. Transient, just just how tremendous he is, his transient majesty, his Shekinah glory that dwelled with us. So we don't give him glory, we acknowledge his glory. We worship his eternal splendor. He already is glorious. We're not bringing more glory to him, he already is glorious. Glory is not just praise. Rather, we praise His glory. So let me end with this. As I said many times, different, during the church history, different writings, different uh, committees, or different councils have gotten together and written things about what the church believes, the, the Council of Nicaea, and all these great, we have great writings. Trust me. The Westminster Confession of Faith, which I've said many times, here it is. What is the chief end of man? What is the ultimate goal of man? What is the primary purpose of our lives? Answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Whether you're in plenty, have tons of food tonight, praise the Lord. If you have nothing tonight, praise the Lord and give Him glory even in your troubles in all that we do god's fame alone is our ultimate goal last week i gave you the list of uh, some of the top 10 things of mine top 10 verses top 10 theologians top 10 christian songs these are mainly the worship songs i don't have much of petra and Bloodgood on there but anyways books I think we got a picture of this book. I encourage every person to get this book. It's really two books in one. John Piper is kind of the modern Edwardian theologian of the day, whatever. He writes the first part saying, here's what you're about to read. Because Jonathan Edwards, his writing is, is pretty hard to read and his logic isn't the way we kind of think through things. So he works through it. And then the second part is Jonathan Edwards. The end for which God created the world. The ultimate purpose for which God created the world. What's the final purpose? Why is all this around? It's for the glory of God. I encourage you right now, get your phone out, take a picture of that, get this book, read it, read it, read it. Paul knew, whether I'm in trouble, for me to live as Christ, I'm going to give glory to him that eternal perspective Ah, to die is gain, amen he knew he wanted Christ to be in all things he did a lot of things he did journeys, missionary trips all over even doing subordinate goals they're all about pointing to the main goal for me to live as Christ, bring glory to him in all that he did and that's the same for you I don't know what the future holds for you when it comes to circumstances and situations, relationships, sickness, finances, I don't know. But I stand on the promises of God. My God will supply all of your needs according to the riches he has in Christ Jesus. Amen. That is a guarantee. And I know that someday we're going home. Amen. All of our sufferings, that's these troubles, temporary. They're nothing in comparison to the beauty of being with him. And that's what we have in Christ. We're going to close by doing this. Take your Bibles and go to Psalm 34. In fact, on my list, I should look at my list. It was so hard to come up with my top ten favorite verses. Verses, yep, it's on there, good. Okay, I just want to make Psalm, Psalm 34. You've seen my favorite chapters book. Again, I'm an evangelical preacher, so every chapter of the Bible is important to me. But Psalm 34. If you could please, let's stand as I read part of this in closing. So stand, and I'm going to read Psalm 34. If you could do me a huge favor. Could you memorize this chapter, please? You're like, oh, what? You've already memorized who's playing football today and what team players, I don't, I don't even know, who's out there. Here's the deal. Memorize this for you because it's so rich and beautiful for the soul. And look at me. Memorize this for others. With all that I do, with a lot of people suffering, Psalm 34 is in my top three chapters I use to help people. It is one of the best tools I will exalt the Lord at all times. His praise shall always be on my lips. My soul will boast the Lord. Let the afflicted, let those who are in trouble, those who are suffering, hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord, and He answered me, Amen. Amen. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man cried. The Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you saints. Those who fear him lack nothing. I'll stop there. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you that we can just soak in the word for this brief time. It's kind of like a boot camp, it's kind of like the time to just soak it up, get trained, because we're going out there. And it's a dying world, it's a sick and dying world. But we are never alone. Your Spirit abides within us, dwells within us, and I pray that we would have the knowledge that You are with us through our hard times, and that You supply what we truly need through the riches that You have in Christ Jesus. It's a future promise. It's tomorrow. It's going to be there. You're not going to go bankrupt. And we thank you, Lord. And ultimately, I ask that we would have that eternal perspective as we bring glory to your name every day. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.